We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Dolcher here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Bill the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I've blacked out. Randolph children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Feel the 68. After dark. It's the Field of 68 After Dark. We are four days into the college basketball season, and I can already taste this weekend's slate, gentlemen. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got a great show for you. I've got two of the best in the business with me tonight. We've got Mr. John Henson and making his Field of 68 After Dark debut, the one and only Jarrell McNeil. My name is Greg Waddell. Jarrell, we got to go to you first. Any first game jitters tonight how are we feeling no no uh not too nervous um coming coming from the background that i had playing ball all these years uh doesn't really bother me too much at least the cameras and stuff but uh, i'm excited about the opportunity though man i'm excited to get a college basketball season back to be honest with you uh uh really fortunate to be able to join you guys tonight for my first show and uh let's get it going we are pumped to have you here, my friend. And if Rob Doster's tweets to me are any indication, I think this might just be a secret ploy to get more Marquette people in the building because he's <laughs> on me for hating on Marquette all offseason. John, it's good to see you as well, my friend. It's been too long. Uh, as always, we have a lot in store for you tonight. Uh, quiet er slate. Obviously, any college basketball fan knows that tonight. But we had Michigan State in action. We have New Mexico and St. Mary's ongoing. We'll see if the Lobos can make a comeback. And we have plenty more surprises in store for you tonight. Uh, gentlemen, let's just start with Michigan State. The Spartans were in action. Uh, obviously, coming off of the James Madison loss, it, it was kind of a test of their true colors. We heard Tom Izzo all week hit the podium and say, expect some changes. I got a lot of young guys. I'm checking my veterans right now. And then it came time for the opening tip-off. He had his vets on the floor. Michigan State looked fine, I would say. Shooting still looks like a problem for this team. They only made one three-pointer tonight. That's scary after only making one three-pointer last game. So, Jarrell, let's go over to you first. What What'd you make of the Spartans tonight? Uh, I mean, I think it was a, it was a big time. Uh, it's a bounce-back game, you know. Um, Obviously, the the sky's gonna sort of seem like it's falling early on when you lose your home opener uh, to James Madison. Uh, but that turns out that they uh, they ended up two and zero tonight as well. But uh, I think tonight was a get back game, like you said. Uh, the biggest thing and uh, the only real worries that you see from that, from my standpoint, for Michigan is is the outside shooting. Like you said, uh, on back to back nights they they've made one three pointer. Uh, I think a big difference tonight though was that uh, you know they they didn't settle as much. You know they 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 kind of took the ball and kind of took it right back right, uh, took it right to uh, Southern Indiana tonight. They uh, they imposed their will on the game. Uh, they went from shooting twenty the night before to eleven the next night. So. Uh, 
you know, they did they, they did what they needed to do. And obviously it was just an early gut check. Uh, it's a Tom Izzo team. You can't worry too much about that. He's going he's going to put out a good product year in, year out, because he's going to get guys to buy in and play uh, the way that guys from Michigan State play. So. Yeah, you just saw the stat, 6% from three-point range through two games. That is literally the worst any team has shot in a very, very long time in this sport. Uh, John, look, you've played at the very highest level. Mm -hmm. You're certainly no stranger to the Michigan State program and what it stands for from a toughness, from a physicality standpoint. Everybody wants to talk about the shooting. I think there's questions in this front court as well. What do you see from the Michigan State bigs right now, and how concerned are you? Yeah, I think the bigs have to figure out what you know what they are, what they want to do, what are, what are their niche. I think Michigan State. I, I want to go off the court. Actually, I think that there's something going on internally. Are the young guys not meshing with the old guys? I, I think it's some continuity issues. You know, he's he's. Izzo's talking about the young guys. I got him coming, and 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 he's kind of beefing with Hogarth. If you look at the media, so you know, I don't necessarily know if it's basketball is a problem right now. I think there's something going internally with whether what Izzo's doing with the young guys or the old guys beefing with the young guys. They're not meshing well together. Uh, you know, with the shooting, you know, starting off the worst two games of three point shooting ever. I think that'll balance out in the law of averages, but. You know, this kind of reminds me when I was a freshman uh, UNC. We we were coming in. We were five. We were the number one class. Five freshmen coming in, fighting for our spots. We never really meshed well with the older guys, and it hurt us early on. And we ended up kind of struggling down the stretch. So, I don't think it's a basketball thing with Michigan State. I think there's something going on off the court, um, and they got to figure it out fast because they are a perennial favorite, you know, in the Big Ten and in the country to you know make a championship run. John, can I? Can I put my just never played Division One basketball hat on for a second here? I, I want to pick your brain on this. So from an outsider's perspective, I would look at your team that you just referenced, and I would say, you know, you, I see those struggles for sure. You're talking about the record. Obviously, you finished where you finished. But I would look at the names of the guys in your freshman class and say, now yes. looking back 10 years later – those guys were the more talented players than the vets that may have been playing over them. I look at this Michigan State roster, I think it's pretty clear at this point that guys like Cohen Carr and Xavier Booker have a higher ceiling than guys like Malik Hall and Mati Sissoko. In order for Michigan State to get where everyone wants them to go, are they going to need to give a longer leash to those talented freshmen? They're going to have to. Cohen Carr – Izzo loves him. He said he played with energy, played with enthusiasm, played with effort. I think he's going to have to, he's going to steal minutes from somebody. Um, and the other kid as well, these guys are talented. And it's always a, you know, Jarrell could say this, it's a fine balance when the young guys come in and the coach is trying to still, you know, trust his guys and rock with his older guys. But there's young guys that's ready to play. My freshman year, specifically, Dexter Strickland was really, really good. But coach's favorite player was Marcus Ginyard. So you got to figure out how to balance that. And Michigan State is going to have to, you know, do that with those guys. And Cohen Carr's got to be out there if you want to win. Coach Izzo, you got to figure it out. You've got a good freshman class. Hey, this is a good problem to have, you know. No, yeah. absolutely, and just go, and just going off of that, John. It's uh, I mean, that's just that's, that's just the uh, the nature of the beast a little bit. Uh, you coming in as freshman, like you said, you get a highly talented freshman class, and uh, that's a little bit how we were coming in. Only different is that uh, you know, the cupboard was a little bit more bare at Marquette, so it wasn't like we were coming in and we had to. Everybody had a, a five star in front of them that they had to go at and and outplay. But uh, you know the the biggest thing is that you know those freshman guys are gonna stick together. They're young, they hungry, and you know and they came there to make a statement themselves. You know they came they, they came to do something. And uh, as all good coaches do, uh, Izzo is gonna lean into that. <clears throat> and I'm sure their 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 practices are gonna be amazing because it's gonna be super competitive because. He's putting it in uh, in the older the vet guys' uh, heads early that you know it's it's a young boy behind you. So hey, you, you know if you ain't checking that rearview mirror because you think you you on cruise control, you know you better think again because uh, some some things are gonna change as the, if the production doesn't get uh, getting get picked up right away. So Jarrell, I know it's your first night on After Dark here. We're so happy to have you. But uh, any any good coach knows to get his 
one of his best players the ball and get out of the way sometimes. He also has to hold his players accountable, right? So as host of this program, I'm going to try and do both those things. I promise we're going to get you the ball. We're going to get out of your way. But we also got to hold you accountable here. I did a little research before the show, my friend. In your time at Marquette, you had a couple games you shouldn't have lost early in the season in the non-conference. You had a loss to Winthrop. You had a loss to North Dakota State. What does that do to the psyche of a team when you get hit with adversity the way Michigan State was hit with adversity in the very first game as a top five team in the country? How hard is it to come back from that? Oh, man, it's, it's difficult, especially when expectations are so high coming into it. You know, um, we, I've, I've been watching from afar the last couple of weeks, all the other guys doing shows and everybody's talking about this might be the team that can get uh, Izzo back to the final four. And, uh, you know, expectations are high. So when you lose an early one like that from a, a opponent where everybody would consider inferior at home, it doesn't feel great. So that's why I said that in my first segment where, uh, you know, it kind of feel like the sky's falling on you. You know what I mean? Everything's kind of cr- crashing down. Uh, the media is going to kill you. Uh, you know, not to mention they got uh, a, a ton of other negative things going on around Michigan State right now. So that doesn't help. I'm sure everybody's looking forward to basketball season. Uh, instead of the Hitler videos at the uh, football game, so uh, look, but this is this is a, it's a gut check though. So and this is and this is a, a perfect opportunity early on in the year for those guys to rally the troops, get closer. At some point, he's gonna have to. They're gonna have to get rid of that divide between the young guy old, and they're gonna have to use that competitive nature to benefit the entire team as a whole, man. And I think they got the perfect coach to do it. Like like I said, I have no. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not buying into the hype. Oh my God, Michigan's going. Michigan State's going to be terrible. Now they do got some things they need to figure out. Uh, I know everybody's so excited because they have so many guys returning in the good class. But uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, the first thing that I seen out of their first two games, they really they they miss uh, Hauser. You know, they really do miss Hauser. Just his ability to play inside, outside, and stretch the floor for some of those other guys when they're not having great shooting nights. You know what I mean? Guys like A.J. Hogarth, they need to be able to have shooters around them so that, you know, one of his best things that he got great size, good handle, he got strength, he can always get to his spots to try to draw two into that paint because he usually has smaller defenders on him. So if they're able to use that stuff a little bit more often, it'll work out. So, uh, you know, you just got to be on the lookout for guys, number one, who are going to be able to make shots. And then they, they got to compete the way that Izzo – uh, it's going to hold them accountable to compete. Yeah. Oh, by yeah, the really way, they got Duke that. November 14th. They got the Duke November 14th, by the way. And Duke's oh, going to be coming, coming off Look, a win against Arizona or a loss against <laughs> Arizona. So, yeah, it's like, like it's, I, I'm going to, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going on a limb saying it could get ugly for Michigan State the way they're playing right now. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go bold prediction on you, John. I'm going to flip your flip here. I think Michigan State beats Duke. I really do. I think think this is going to be a gut check couple of days for this team. I'm glad you mentioned Joey Hauser, Jarrell. I I really am because I think he's one of the more underappreciated guys in recent memory. Really underrated, man. I mean, he, he was just so damn solid. And you think about, you look at last year's Michigan State team. They were third in the country in three-point shooting percentage. They've made two threes in two games. The only guy who left the team is Joey Hauser. Every other player is back. Everybody I mean, that's just back, unprecedented. Yeah. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Luckily, they got a guy named Tyson Walker that I think is a massive stabilizer in his fifth year. Yeah. And I expect Michigan State to be at their best a week from now. And by the way, A.J. Hogard, you look back at the path of his career, some of his best games are when you don't have any reason to see them coming. When the bright lights are on, when there's a big name program across, he has tended to show up more often than not. Uh, I want to talk about a team that beat Michigan State quickly, though. It's James Madison. Game of the night, maybe game of the year already tonight, if you saw how this ended. James Madison was on the road at Kent State. Two great mid-major teams by the looks of it tonight. James Madison was down five points with four. Four seconds left game, threw the Hail Mary, hit the three, the the prayer, the fadeaway, got a steal on the inbound, tie the game. It ends up in double overtime. James Madison wins on the road, 113 to 108. Kind of the look of the team of destiny right now for the Dukes. I mean, two games in overtime, two wins. If you look at their schedule, there's a lot of games they're favored in the rest of the season. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, 
could this be this year's Florida Atlantic and James Madison? I, I'm kind of sensing those vibes. What do you guys think? I mean, they, they are the favorite in their league, right? So they're expected to get to the tournament. And, and so I think this is an upset special team right now. And how they're playing, they, they squeaked out the double overtime win tonight. This is just adding experience, just adding, adding notches under their belt. Um, they're a good team. That, that's call it what you want. They got some high major guys like Bickerstaff, Edwards Jr. all over there, I believe. So they're 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 ready. Uh, they're they're going to be good this year. No, absolutely, and I uh, and I agree. I think that's one of the only uh, kind of benefits of these early season games. I feel like is, uh, and this is what I look at at least is, you know, you kind of get a look at some of these smaller mid major programs that you wouldn't get a chance to see as often. Uh, throughout the course of the season, and you can kind of tell the ones that are, you know, that uh, you know they come out there to some of these what what they call them buy games uh, with a different attitude. You know, they they looking to spoil somebody and embarrass somebody and show that they uh, that they belong and that they can play with some of these guys. And uh, and sometimes it kind of gives you an early peek, like, uh, well, not only were they uh, were they on tonight, but you know they got a pretty good team. And I watched I watched a lot of that game tonight versus Kent State, man, and that was a Man, one of the best games I've seen easily this uh, this year so far, and uh, obviously uh, Kent State kind of kind of fell apart at the very end there. But man, James Madison was up twelve, I think, early in the game, and then Kent State kind of fought back and went on their run and had the crowd into it, and they went up, and uh, you know, right when you get ready to turn the TV off and be like, oh yeah, that's one of you start start seeing some crazy stuff happening, man. So that was definitely a uh, you know, a college basketball is back type of game right there tonight. It was fun to watch, and uh, James Madison comes out 2-0. Yeah, it had a March feel on November 9th, and uh, credit to the Dukes, man, because when it went to double overtime, they had three starters foul out of this game. I mean, I'm just watching this unfold. Like, this this is over. They're not going to be able to outlast this, and uh, in the end, they, they were able to. Terrence Edwards, incredible, 25-10 and six tonight. Kudos to the Dukes. Uh, hey, we mentioned it's Darrell McNeil's first appearance on After Dark, but he's not the only person in the college basketball world with a first this week. Coming up after the break, I'm going to ask these guys for their first impressions of some of the biggest names in college basketball. That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. College basketball season kicks off this week, and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats, and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with Three Man Weave, Heat Check CBB, and Verbal Commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, from the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Thank you, Rob. There's nothing like an 8,000-word PDF. Am I right, guys? We love it. And in all seriousness, the Almanac is incredible. Kudos to everybody whose work went into that project. Uh, it's the smartest thing you can get as a basketball fan. Go buy the Almanac. I got Jarrell McNeil here. I got John Henson here. My name is Greg Waddell. We are live on the field of 68 after dark. We already talked Michigan State. We talked James Madison. Now I want to ask you guys about some of the biggest names in college basketball, some guys who have exploded onto the scene this season. I want to start out west with USC's dynamic point guard, Isaiah Collier. He looked great against Kansas State. He looked pretty darn good tonight. Uh, he, he followed up his breakthrough performance in his debut with 19 points, five assists, and three rebounds tonight, uh, six for 11 from the floor, and had a three-pointer to go with it. This kid looks like the real deal, man. Like, I don't want to go too far ahead of ourselves here. He's two games into his college career. His game just screams NBA point guard to me, though. Like, I just see the next level stuff immediately with him. John, is it crazy to say that's where this kid is headed? Yeah, I mean – I watched the game. I actually YouTubed him when I, after I watched the game. Let me see this kid. I mean, he's got the shoulder separation moves. He's got the big body. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing that I see with him is he makes his team better. I, I love that about his game. And USC is going to be really good with him on the court. He's shooting, what, like 70% right now uh, with the three he made today. I think he's shooting 40% from three. He's getting four or five assists tonight. Um he, he's the, he's that guy, man. He'll probably be a top three pick. He won't be there long, but um, I love what I'm seeing from him. And it's good to see people live up to expectations, man. We're so used to everybody getting letting us down. I love what he's doing, man. Uh, him and Boogie, Boogie Ellis is going to be one of the top backcourts in the country. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, just going off what John said, man, I think the the first thing that, uh, that kind of – made my eyebrows raise up when I turned the Kansas State game on a couple of days ago it was just like, man, how, uh, man, the, the kid is physically prepared. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, he, he He's ready. He's ready right away to play college basketball, man. Like he said, he got the shoulders, man. It looks like he already been in the weight room, man. And that dude is, uh, he's, he's explosive with the ball in his hands. And he started off, uh, he followed up a really great, uh, you know, opening night performance with another good one tonight, man. And the thing that just stands out to you, like he said, is that, man, he's hard to keep out of that paint. He's strong. He can play through the first bump. And he makes uh, – he's unselfish, man. He makes his teammates better. I think that was really going to be the biggest question is how to, how all these guys were going to fit uh, together for USC. But, man, it should be a fun year to watch. That should be a really fun team to follow all year. Drill, I want to ask you a follow-up because one of the most curious elements of Isaiah Collier's presence on this USC team for me is how would Boogie Ellis respond? I mean, such a productive superstar-level offensive player last season, and it's not always the easiest thing to have another superstar come in, and all of a sudden you two have to figure it out, an older guy and a younger guy. You are no stranger to this from your time at Marquette. You play with a bunch of good guards. Uh, how do you think this is going to go as the season goes on and the competition gets tougher between these two? Man, you know, and that was uh, that was one of the things that I kind of had in my notes when I was watching them was just I think the biggest question mark wasn't the talent for this team. It was like we already know they got the pieces. And, uh, you know, this is not even including uh, Bronny. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets healthy and, ma and makes a return. Uh, but, you know, they got the pieces talent-wise. You know, Boogie Ellis was the guy that, that was filling it up already last year you know what i mean and one of the uh if not the top score one of the top scores in the conference and definitely on the team but uh i think the biggest question was just how those guys were gonna mesh and uh you know i feel like with guards and this is coming from my personal experience because i played with really good guards in college and we were kind of the focal point of the team is that uh you know guards have to mesh and learn how to play off of each other sometimes um, you know, you, you got to learn how to get each other shots and get each other in the flow and the rhythm and when it, where each other like the ball and, uh, on the court. And, uh, yeah, he like to shoot, catch and shoot from this left side. So when I get it there, I'm going to throw it up right away to him on the wing and see if he can get an easy one, you know, things like that. But uh, I think that was the biggest question mark coming into it. And, uh, and early on, they, they seem like they feed off each other uh, really well and play off of each other really well, man. And uh, to be honest, uh, Big shout out to Boogie Ellis, man, because he looked like he, you know, he kind of cleared.
in the way for the young boy. You know, sometimes and it's like that, man. For the real ones, it's like that. It's like, man, I, you see it in practice already. He probably like, shit, I'm, I'm about to eat off of it. I'm about to eat off of this because he gonna he gonna <laughs> he gonna draw so much attention getting down, <laughs> getting a piece of the paint. Like he probably he probably gonna average uh, just as many points with you know just a lot easier shots because you got somebody else to kind of take the attention off of you and like you know it's a fine balance so they can use that to help each other get open and get going and things like that. But man, it's fitting really well right now and as uh, long as they keep it going and nobody egos get too big uh they're gonna be a fun team to watch yeah there's uh it's different stylistically i don't mean to say this is one for one with the way they play but i honestly get some De'Aaron fox malik monk vibes from this backcourt where it's like okay if this if one of them needed to they could go get you 30 any given night but when both of them are dialed in together that's when this team becomes totally special and there was one play, uh, like Isaiah Collier was leading a break. It was like a three-on-one. Boogie was trailing, and he just knew to slow down. I think he dropped it between his legs, and Boogie took an NBA three. It didn't even go in. But when I saw that happen, I'm like, no, Isaiah Collier gets it, and Boogie is going to love playing with this kid. I'm really excited to watch where this goes. Uh, simple but kind of loaded question here john is this the best backcourt in the country like can you name me a better backcourt than boogie ellis and isaiah collier for the first two games i mean you got to name them as the best if not most dynamic backcourt um like i said collier plays the game the right way so i think boogie ellis loves playing with him right he, he's really a point guard at heart so he likes getting his guys a rock and when he got to when he got to go get a bucket he, he goes and he gets it done and he does a lot of stuff on the transition he's dominant his teammates so like you know you love playing with guys like that especially as a big man man it gets everybody running everybody going so i think usc's gonna have a really good year and, and as far as boogie ellis meshing with collier Listen, man, we used to say in North Carolina, the winners get the awards and the rewards. So if we ain't winning, then it don't matter. So that, yeah. that's, that's what that's what they got to do. They got to win games. And if Boogie can win games, you got every NBA team literally watching him every single night, right? So, hey, play the right way, score, be efficient, win games, you'll be drafted. Yeah, for sure. Jarrell, loaded question. It's the second weekend in March. It's the Sweet 16. Your season's on the line. You taking Marquette's backcourt or are you taking Boogie and Isaiah? I'm, I'm taking Marquette. It's a no-brainer for me. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> too, early. too early for that. We got, we, got, we, got, we got experience now. Last year was really big for us. So we got the experience. Now we get a little bit more battle-tested. And man, all, all those dudes, we got everybody coming back except for uh, obviously Omax and uh, best of luck to him with the Mavs this year. But uh, man, they, and we got guys that's coming in and hungry, like uh, Jop coming in off the bench too, man. So it's going to be a fun year for those guys. But right now I'm rolling with my Marquette boys. So I'm going to try not to let my bias bleed in too much, but I can't help myself. Not two games, not two games. <laughs> I just had to check it. That's all it was. I know we're putting him under the gun. Hey, not, not 40 minutes. Look, not, on, not, on, minutes. It, not, for the record, say, not, not two games in, huh? Yeah, for for the record, games. boys, that nobody asked me, but uh, I'm taking Boogie Ellis and Boogie Collier. By the way, I'm just trying to start calling Isaiah Boogie also. Let's just do the double Boogie. Everybody's good if we just start calling Boogie. Boogie. Uh, for, for my money, guys, the, the best – debut performance from a first-year player thus far this week has been Baylor's Jacoby Walter. And this was the Auburn game, of course, I'm talking about. He had 28 points. He was 7 for 13 from the floor. He was 10 for 10 from the stripe. He just kept getting to the line. Um, I mean, three-level scorer, extraordinaire. Baylor guards are always good, but like this is like a jumbo guard to me compared to everything that Scott Drew has had the past couple years. Uh, Jarrell, do you agree that was the best – debut freshman performance you've seen this week man absolutely uh for a freshman to come and go 10 for 10 from the free throw line alone in a first college game uh i don't know it was kind of weird to me but it just really stood out and i'm just like man this dude ain't missing no free throws i'm seeing them come off these screens uh man got got the size he has the skill the talent man and then uh, man, from the looks of it, man, can shoot, can shoot the heck out of the ball, man. He's shooting that thing, coming off pin downs, no hesitation. Feet turned in, that thing going up. And, uh, you know, high release point, 
man, you can't nobody get to it, man. So it was definitely a, definitely a super impressive debut. And, uh, man, I look forward to seeing him all year long, too, man. I think Baylor's going to be good. They had a good game. And uh, I, I would say that was probably the next best game that I had seen so far this year, man. Those guys were going at it. And uh, I was actually impressed by Auburn, man. Auburn uh, controlled most of that game until the very end, the last four minutes or so, man. Then Scott Drew hit him with that uh, the T.O. With the, with the lob. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a momentum changer right there, boy. He drew something up on him. Uh, it, it was nice, though, man. Really good game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching the game without any sound on. So I'm just looking at the game, and I'm like, who is this cat? Like, I knew who he was, but I didn't know. I never seen him play. So I just was watching, and the thing that stuck out to me, man, he he's not scared. Don't know where he's from or how he came up, but he ain't scared. You could just tell, you know, he he's one of them guys. And and when he and I look at, you know, when he's shooting those shots, I mean, they weren't hitting, they were barely hitting the net. It wasn't like they was rattling in back of the rim. They was cash. So, um, big pickup for them, similar to a Keontae George, high level scorer, if not a better scorer, with a little more size. So it's gonna be fun to see him develop under Scott Drew, who I love. Uh, he's been getting those guys to come down to Baylor and. Uh, do their thing and, and they're winning at a high level yeah if you're a, a star guard right now it's hard to make an argument there's a better spot for you to land than right. Baylor after the last five years it's impressive what Scott is doing uh we'll go speed round here because we are going to get to break in just a moment but uh, I want to go beyond the teams we also got for or beyond the players we also got first impressions from teams this week uh, I want to look specifically at our AP top five so, Darrell, that includes your Marquette Golden Eagles. That includes the Michigan State Spartans, obviously, which neither one of you are going to choose. That includes Duke, Kansas, and Purdue. Which team gave you the best first impression this week? John, we'll throw it back to you. You know, it's between Purdue and Kansas. I respect, you know, especially when you're a high-level high team that's ranked high, just getting the job done. Be boring. Win by 40. Go on with your day. So I like what Purdue did after coming off that bad loss in the uh, tournament. They were solid. The guards looked better. The shooting was there. The def defense was there. Purdue looked really good. And sometimes earlier, this early in the season, it's good to be not talked about, right, like Michigan State. So um, I like what Purdue did early on. Get it done. Keep on rolling until you get to these teams where it's going to be a tough game. Terrell? Yep, and uh, it's – I was we already on the subject, so my first one was uh I would say USC for sure. I would say USC. Uh they were they were impressive, man. I watched that whole game and uh, you know, major shout out to them and K State, man, for even playing that game. Uh those games are fun to watch early on. Like everybody kinda got their pants down. Nobody feels comfortable and nobody knows exactly who's gonna give them what. But just still to play those type of competitive basketballs on big stage is really cool. But man, like we said, uh, the Boogie and Boogie show, man, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think only only concerns that I had coming out of those first two games for USC, and especially just that first one, was, uh, you know, kind of who's going to step up inside for them. They had, uh, I want to say it was eight eight rebounds apiece between Kobe Johnson and Boogie Ellis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, your backcourt did – the the, the 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 lion's share of the rebounding for those guys. So they're going to need somebody just to make sure make their presence felt, step up and, and come and grab that spot and anchor the paint down a little bit for them. And the only other thing is just the turnovers a little bit. Uh, they had close to 18 turnovers, I think, and 17 assists, something like that, that first game. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'm not sure what they finished with exactly tonight. But uh, as long as they take care of the ball, man, they're going to be a fun team to watch all year. And uh, they should definitely be in contention, not not to just go to the tournament, but, man, possibly get to the second weekend. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to see some good front courts in the Pac-12 for sure, too. You think Bona, you think Mara at UCLA, you think Balo at Arizona. Like they, There's going to be dudes they got to run into. We'll see how they handle it. All right. Uh, we are halfway through tonight's show on the Field of 68 After Dark. And coming up, we got a special for you. We have this week's Field of 68 Spotlight. Our own Jeff Goodman got to sit down with Duke point guard Tyrese Proctor. That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, Use the bonus code FIELD200 and you will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly when placing your first wager of at least $10 with BetMGM. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code 
FIELD200. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game regardless of sport. You will receive $200 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure that you use the bonus code FIELD200 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When across the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We love our friends at BetMGM here on the Field of 68 After Dark. And we also love our friends that are with me tonight. Jarrell McNeil making his Field of 68 After Dark debut. John Henson with me as well. My name is Greg Waddell. Uh, and guys, I alluded to it before the break, but we have a special interview that I'm very excited to listen to. It's a Field of 68 exclusive. Jeff Goodman, Tyrese Proctor, coming up right now. Um, take me through last year and, and kind of it's an interesting first year for you, wasn't it? I mean, not the easiest early. And then it felt like you, you kind of figured it out down the stretch. But just kind of what was it like? Yeah, it was it was tough at the start. Um, obviously going through a really bad shooting slump. I haven't been through. It was probably my worst shooting slump I've been through in, in my career. And uh, it was obviously difficult, but I think I had the right support system and and my teammates, coaches, family, they were all really, um, really, you know, they were powerful. What they said was powerful to, to me. And, and I think that just helped me get over that hump. And then I think the biggest change when Joan went down and, and I sort of had to step into my role as, as the point guard. I think that was the, the sort of key to my season, sort of where it just sort of flipped in my, in my head. And, and it was almost like I was forced to, to have, have, have that. So I think that was, that was a really big factor. And, and I think that's what sort of, Elevated my game quicker than if he if he hadn't got gotten injured. What did they tell you when you weren't making shots? Keep shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. they seen all the work that I put in, and, and everyone knew that I was a good shooter. So just keep keep shooting, keep getting reps, and and um, yeah, just keep on a fight. It definitely it definitely got in my head. I think Portland uh, Portland was was the big one. Yeah. Because it was it wasn't so much I was missing shots. As I just wasn't taking shots. So that was the biggest. Think that my mom actually picked up on and my dad um so my mom called me and i think i had two attempts in one game and she was like what are you doing like i obviously know you, you know you're struggling and stuff but um so that was probably the biggest the biggest adjustment um you know just just having to just stay confident and, and keep working you know when when my shots went for come on three tennessee in the second half has made 50 percent of their shots When, when the season's over and it kind of just ends, right? I mean, it's kind of suddenly yeah, there. Yeah. What was your mindset? Season's over, and a lot of people are thinking you and Flip are both going to be gone. Take me through that decision and, and how difficult it was, or maybe it wasn't to come back. I said to my family and, and, and my agents and stuff, I wanted to make my decision first. Like I just wanted to, to get it out of the way and, and be comfortable with it. So. We had talks really early, like they, they, you know, walked me through what they heard, and, and me and my family talked a lot. And um, I just felt like it was the right decision for me to come back and obviously reclassifying, like you said. And then I already had a whole year to develop and, and and make steps forward that I wouldn't have been able to have if I didn't. So it was almost like a zero year for me. So I, I could have I could have had the worst season in my life and still been a freshman this year. So I think it was just a, a good decision for me to come back overall. Just having that confidence, you know, being a, a sophomore freshman in a sense. What, what's going to be the difference, you think, and even what people are going to see out of you this year from the second half? Even when you when you start to play well, what are you going to add to your game this year? Well, I think just being an overall threat, you 
know, on and off the ball on offense and then just doing what I was doing back in the season on defense. I thought I impacted impacted um, defensively really well in the last year and I think one of the biggest things this year that's gonna change is just my leadership role and um, I'll be you know obviously a point guard and and but just having having that year of experience with Joe and Ryan and, and Flip and Mark, those sort of guys that, that were a lot of you know the vocal point of last year's team and just sort of getting them at our pace and and not letting them fall behind. What are the expectations for this team? I mean, last year you guys came in, obviously you're Duke, right? People are expecting you to win at a high level, maybe go to Final Four. This year I feel like with you and Kyle back, with all the freshmen, people are saying like, hey, this is either, you know, best team or Right there with Kansas, one one A or one B. I think last year there was a lot of uncertainty just because we had new staff, new players, like 13 out of 15 guys were new. So I think there was just a lot of people in in doubt, like not knowing what what could happen. It could go A or B. Whereas this year they've sort of seen how we play and and seen the players in in a Duke uniform under Shire, so they sort of know what to expect a little bit more. Um, I think the expectation is really high. I think everyone knows. Especially the freshmen, you know, they they coming in and they they all know what we expect from them and and what they expect from themselves. And I think Shia, you know, once we start getting further in the season, he's going to emphasize it even more. And I think everyone's just on the same page of winning, and, and that's that's all we care about. You mentioned earlier Shire in year two compared to year one. Like again, even watching him last year from beginning to end of the year, how much more comfortable do you think he got? Yeah, I think he was he was a lot more comfortable. I think it's just confidence. You know, just getting reps at it. He's obviously coached, assistant coached a lot, but you know, being a head coach, coach at such a big program, is, you know, a lot of pressure and, and it's it's a big jump. So I think he, you know, he did really good good last year, and he's only going to get better this year. All right. Well, listen, appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. You got it. Thank you to Jeff Goodman for taking the time and effort to go sit down with Tyrese Proctor. Thank you to Tyrese Proctor for giving us the time for that interview. Very enlightening conversation there. Uh, John, I want to throw to you on this. You're our resident car heel, obviously. Yeah. This man is one of your biggest enemies right now, I would assume. Tyrese yeah. Proctor came back. He, he's not supposed to come back and haunt your Tar Heels. Uh, what happened here and how terrified of Tyrese Proctor are you? You know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Great hire by Duke Shire. He's got with the top class the next three years or something like that. Uh, Proctor coming back, getting Proctor and Filipowski to come back, and it seems like they were under their own kind of terms. There wasn't really a press either way from Coach, you know, from John Shire. They're going to be good. I think Proctor is the X factor. You got Roach, who's going to be solid. Filipowski, you got your preseason All-American. If Proctor can take that next step, the sky's the limits for, the, for, for Duke. Um, my Tar Heels are going to have a tough time with them this year, but you know, anything can happen in that game. But for the most part, man, Duke is going to be really good. Can't knock it. Got to give credit where it's due. Um, just, you know, they got to just chill on that championship, but anything else, man, I'd love for him to have a great year. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, my, my good friend, Carter Elliott, who John, you're familiar with. We did the show with him in March last yep. year. And, uh, I asked him his one big takeaway from the first four days of the season. He was like, I'm terrified of John Shire. I was like, well, I wasn't expecting that answer. But the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, he's kind of backing up the recruiting classes right now. Uh, Jarrell, I want to ask you about the psychology of being an incoming freshman. And then you get hit with the program you're headed to telling you, oh, these two guys who for sure would have been drafted in the first round are back. You're going to need to be patient. What's your reaction to, like, as a player, are you just like, well, this is horrible. I don't want to be patient. I want the ball in my hands. Or is there a part of you that can embrace that and embrace the greater good? Uh, I mean, I think I think the great ones, the ones that end up being the great ones, always embrace that challenge uh, at the end of the day, especially now with, uh, I mean, to be honest, man, college basketball is becoming an older sport. Um it's a handful of guys who have those situations where they walk in the door and I four star, five star, and they just here you go, here go the keys to the truck. That uh, it doesn't happen that often anymore, and uh, it's not a whole lot of a whole lot of um, 
complaining you can do when the guy in front of you is, uh, you know, like you said, going to be a top 10, top five pick in the NBA draft in another couple months. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think the biggest thing and the great one, they, they embrace the challenge. They uh, they compete every day in practice. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? And they, and they try. They actively try to uh, to challenge the guy that's ahead of me. At the end of the day, it doesn't do anything to everybody better when you do that. Uh, so you got to be competitive and try to do what you can to try to steal some minutes somewhere. And a lot of times, guys that are used to having the ball in their hands and kind of like uh, been getting their food on the silver platter for a while, they, they, they struggle with it because – you know, you got to do intangible things sometimes in those situations to get on the floor. It's not going to be about, oh, I can pass, I can shoot, I can dunk. It's sometimes I need somebody that's going to step in and box out or take charges and do the little things that's going to dive on the floor. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of be that's got to be a way to, to get you on the floor. Yeah. So we, I think at this network here, we have a bunch of great basketball minds, basketball personalities. And I think the one common thread that everyone would agree on through four days of the season is that the slate has been a little underwhelming. No offense, but uh, we had some charity exhibitions that were the marquee games, and then we had four days of just kind of getting here, right? Well, that all changes tomorrow when the Arizona Wildcats storm into Cameron Indoor Stadium to take on Tyrese Proctor and his Blue Devils. And uh, you know what that means, John. That means that your man, Caleb Love, is back in Cameron Indoor for the final time in an Arizona uniform. What are you expecting from Caleb in this game? I mean, quietly, Caleb is averaging 20 points per game, almost 20 points per game in three games in Cameron. So I think he's going to bring a calming, you know, kind of effect to Arizona. Hey, look, this is what's going on. I've been there a few times. We, I've beat, I've beat Duke here. Coach K's last game. However, since Coach K's last game, final home game, they have not lost to a non-conference opponent or anyone for that respect. And so everyone's going to have a tough time leaving there with a the win. Duke's 17-0 home and John Shire's tenure. But if there's one guy that could come in and, and play well and kind of put the team on his back and even help his guys understand what this Duke team is about, He's played against those guys before. It's Caleb Love, so it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, finally, something to watch, right? Tired of these blowouts and these weird games. You know what I mean, Baylor played with John Brown at noon today. Like, you know, finally some some fun stuff to watch. Yeah, I got, I got to imagine Caleb Brown. has Sorry. to. <laughs> no, you're good. I got to imagine yeah. Caleb, to some extent, feels like he has nothing to lose here. I mean, uh, call it what it is. <laughs> This is the guy who stuck the fork in Coach K. I mean, and now, now he's not supposed to see Duke again. And now he's seeing Duke again? Like, if he loses, so what? It's Arizona on the road against Duke. Like you said, Shire's undefeated. If he wins, the lore and the legacy of Caleb Love just gets better and better. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to watch this. Jarrell, again, we're putting you on the hot seat here, man. We got to go to break in 60 seconds. Call your shot. Who wins this game? Does Arizona win or does Duke win? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go Duke uh, minus four and a half. Uh, Duke minus four and a half. They win by at least. Uh, and and I think it is it's gonna be a great test, a great battle. But like we said, John Shire, uh, he he's 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 it's his show right now, man. He's 17 and no at home. He hasn't lost the game. But like you said, what an opportunity for Caleb Love to be able to get Coach K on the way out the door and then come back and get Shia's first loss at home. And uh, I think this is close to the ever going to get to a homecoming in, uh, in Carolina. So uh, it should be a fun game. He should feel, he should feel comfortable being in that atmosphere because he's done it so many times before. So he kind of knows what to expect. And those guys will be able to look to him and lean on him a little bit as well. But I'm taking Duke in the game. I think their depth gets them. This is the first moment of the show that I feel like we've been locked in as a cohesive three. Because the moment that you said minus four and a half, John and I looked at each other like, yeah, we got our guy. We got our guy, okay? Uh, hey, by the way, the Field of 68 is going to be here. We have Rob Doster. We have Jeff Goodman. We have Randolph Childress that will all be on site for this game. So stay tuned. We will cover this game as good as anybody in the sport will. I can promise you that. We're going to go to break. Coming up for the final segment of the show, we will preview everything else that's coming on this first glorious weekend of college basketball here on the Field of 68 After Dark. All right, it's time to talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app 
that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It's the place to store your own bold predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app, give it a try for free. Vaulted is spelled V-L-T-E-D, and it is the app to challenge your friends, store your predictions, and join daily cash prize pools without any entry fee. Download Vaulted today. John, you were talking about this a little bit before the show started. You love Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is winning the SEC this year. You think Arkansas can win the SEC this year. I'm putting five units on it, man. Why do you accept my challenge that Arkansas will not win the SEC? I say, let's make it 10. Let's make it 20. I mean, I I think uh, this Arkansas team is supremely undervalued, man. Uh, I think they we never really got a chance to see them uh, at full strength last year before Trayvon Brazil went down. And, of course, they were uh, young, but they go out in the transfer portal. They add Khalif Battle, who I think is going to be a really good player in the SEC. Uh, obviously, Chandler Lawson in the transfer portal uh, and bringing back Trayvon Brazil for that sophomore season. I love this team. I think they're going to have the length, the athleticism. I think in terms of the rest of the SEC, well, we're going to go crazy on Tennessee because they finally have a player that can dunk. I mean, what are we doing here? I think there's a lot of teams in the SEC that I don't buy, Kentucky being one of them, too young. It's not the way you win in college basketball anymore. So I like Musselman. I think they're in a great position here with what they're bringing back and adding, getting older, getting better. Give me the Razorbacks, baby. Let's go. Woo pig. Challenge accepted. We are back. It's the field of 68 after dark, and it's crunch time. Put the fours up. It's the fourth quarter. We got Jarrell McNeil. We got John Henson. I'm Greg Waddell. And most importantly, we have a fantastic weekend slate of college basketball, the first of its kind. We just talked about Arizona and Duke. That's tomorrow night. We will be on site with the wonderful Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, and Randolph Childress there. So I want to talk about some other games. And uh, I, I alluded to it. We're no strangers to betting here with our friends at BetMGM on After Dark. The number one game of the season that has jumped out to me from a betting perspective, gentlemen, is the Tennessee Volunteers at the Kohl Center against the Wisconsin Badgers. Tennessee minus one and a half leading into this game. The Kohl Center is a tough place to play. I'm a Big Ten guy. I've seen it before. But Tennessee has looked impeccable this season. Uh, Jarrell, I want to throw to you first on this one. What do you expect from this game and which side do you lean? Um, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not comfortable enough to pick uh, Wisconsin for anything just yet. So uh, I'm definitely leaning toward Tennessee. I really like, I, I like Tennessee though. Uh, man, they, they kind of got a wrap uh, down the stretch last year being a little bit of a dirty team. Uh, I enjoyed them because I thought they just guarded really hard and they played physical. And it's uh, it's kind of fun to watch because some of those throwback teams they uh, struggled to score a little bit at times. But I expected to be a rock fight a little bit. Uh, I know Wisconsin probably uh, is going to come back to earth. They they scored a lot of points in their opener, but uh, I think it's going to be a tough, physical, gritty game. And uh, and defense is going out. It might be in the forties. Who knows? John. That preludes to, you know, from a betting perspective, I'm going to hammer that under um, because <laughs> that under, yeah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is, they scored 80. Tennessee scored, I actually circled this before you knew we were going to talk about it. Tennessee scored 100. I'm hoping Vegas overreacts so we can take that under. Wait, wait, wait. You, you flipped that, right? So, sorry to interrupt. I think you flipped that. Wisconsin yeah. had 105. Yeah, okay, yeah, Wisconsin yeah. and Tennessee got 80. I'm sorry. So First I, time I, I in school history. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that they're going to be overvalued by from a points perspective. But as far as going up to Wisconsin and winning games, I think it's tough. It's essentially kind of a coin flip from a better perspective. I, I like Tennessee. Like, like Jarrell said, I can't really get a read on Wisconsin. Are they going to be this fast-paced run-and-gun team? I can't see it. And uh, Tennessee's going to lock down on defense. That's what they do. Um, so I'm going to take Tennessee here, um, uh, but it's going to be a close game. Like I said, it's going to be a rock fight. I think it's going to be a possession or two game down the stretch. Uh, so, you know, we'll finally get to see some fun, you know, you know kind of heavyweight basketball. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I love the underplay. I'm going to side with Tennessee on paper, although I will say anytime you see three digits next to the Wisconsin logo in your little app, whatever you use to check scores, that's like a, a whoa, what happened moment. So uh, I do have my eye on the Badgers. AJ, AJ Store with 15 points in his debut has me intrigued, and uh, I would be remiss to not say free my dog, Honor Asijan. By the way, one of my favorite players in the country. He's coming off the bench right now. Is Connor? I know you got AJ Store. That kid's a killer, man. He should not be coming off the bench on any team, at least uh, in the Big Ten right now. I'm going to move to another team in my Big Ten. It's the Ohio State Buckeyes. They were in a dogfight against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. There have been years before where that would not be such a horrible thing to say. I don't think this year's one of those years. No offense to Greg Campy and the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, but uh, Ohio State stumbling to a six-point home win to open their season, not the most impressive result. They're hosting Texas A&M for game two in Value City Arena, Texas A&M, 15th in the country coming into the year. John, what do you like in this one? I actually love A&M. I loved A&M last year. Um, they, they've just a mature team. They've got the guard play. They've got the size. And Ohio State was a team maybe that we thought would take a step forward with all those young guys, but it almost looks like they've kind of stagnated a little bit. So AM's coming in, and I think AM's got a lot to prove. And, and their coach, Buzz, he doesn't play around, man. So they're going to be fired up uh, coming against Ohio State. Uh, I got to go AM um, to take that one home. Uh, Ohio State is not trending in the right direction early. Terrell? Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I'm leaning toward a And M as well. Uh, I think this is kind of year. I think this is the year that Buzz kind of makes his uh, his breakthrough a little bit. And I know they had a good year last year and uh, made the tournament uh, after some disappointing sh- uh, shortcomings the, the, the last couple of years prior to that. But I think this is the year. I think they got a team, man. Uh, Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford, man, coming back. That's, that's huge. And uh, I think they get Ohio State. Ohio State is young. Uh, and they lost a lot of pieces too, man. Some uh, they lost some good players. So, uh, and I know they got some new guys in. But I think it'll take them a while to kind of figure it out. But they do got uh they they have Thorne, who I love though. But uh, he's only a sophomore, so you can't put the whole burden on him right away. I think uh, A and M gets this one. I was leaning the same way before I threw to the two of you, and after hearing you both say it, which now makes five consecutive picks between the three of us again. <laughs> Teams, that's not happening, fellas. One of these games is going the opposite direction. Give me the Buckeyes. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bruce Thornton. I love him. I also like his backcourt mate, Roddy Gale Jr. Two sophomores together. Gale went nuts in the Big Ten tournament at the end of last season, and uh, he was the best player on the floor for the Buckeyes in game one. I think that could happen again in game two. There you have it, guys. Uh, we will be back again, of course, here on the Field of 68 After Dark throughout the weekend so come back set your calendar set your alarms and join us after this great slate of games uh to wrap the show tonight though we're going to do our toasts of the night jarell mcneil's debut toast of the night on the field of 68 after dark jarell i didn't ask you beforehand i don't know what you're drinking i hope it's something because we do toast responsibly on this program over to you jarell who's your toast of the night uh well i'm gonna take a play i'm gonna take a play out of uh Coach Passon's book from last night. And, uh, you know, my first toast is going to be to you guys, my inaugural show. Uh, y'all held me down. Hopefully I didn't slow y'all down too much. And, uh, you know, obviously we got a common bond with the parlay. So let's just start up the group chat, get it going. Hopefully this is the first uh, – <laughs> hopefully the first of many shows, though, man. I had a blast. Uh, glad to be on. Appreciative of, of the opportunity from uh, Jeff Goodman, Rob Dowst, to all you guys behind the scenes as well. Appreciate it. First toast of the night. Cheers. Cheers to that. It's so great to have you here, my friend. All right, John, what do you got? I'm going to go pretty simple, pretty easy. Isaiah Collier coming in, kind of playing well, making his teammates better. USC finally looks formidable. Maybe ever since the DeRozan days, when we go back to the OJ Mayo days, like they're finally making some noise and getting some attention. So uh, cheers to Isaiah Collier for putting USC on, you know, kind of back on the map, you know, nationally, and uh, hopefully they continue to play well. College basketball is always better when the top five pick is on TV and, and doing this thing. Cheers. 
Cheers. Cheers to that. Uh, yeah, I, I love that pick. If I was going the player route, that would have been my pick. So I'm right there with you, John. I'm going the team route, though. Guys, I said it earlier in the show. I think we have our team of destiny. I really do. I'm a huge, <laughs> like, narrative guy. I think we're one week into the season. We just discovered this year's Cinderella. I think it's James Madison. I absolutely love this team. The Stones to be 2-0 and through two games at the Breslin Center and then tonight at the MAC Center in Kent State, which good team, by the way, NCAA tournament team last season. I believe they were a 13 seed. This program's rolling right now. It's a special moment for James Madison basketball. And uh, again, to gut out the double overtime victory with three starters fouled out of the game is one of the most impressive things I have seen in a very long time. So to the Dukes, cheers to James Madison basketball. And cheers to all of you at home watching the show, to John Henson, to Jarrell McNeil. It was a blast to be with the two of you tonight. Hopefully the first of many times this season we get to do this again. Enjoy the college basketball, everybody. The Field of 68 After Dark will be back this weekend. And we thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.